Coming up, check it out. A podcast from the Moraine Valley Library. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu slash library. This is Check It Out, a podcast about services and resources in the Moraine Valley Library. Uh, let's see, today is December 1st, 2009, and we're recording in the super secret conference room in the library here at the lovely campus of Moraine Valley Community College in Palos Hills, Illinois. He's Troy Swanson, teaching and learning librarian. And he's Joe Malarkey, collection development librarian. And today we have with us Jeremy Shermack, instructor in the communication arts department of Moraine Valley. And Jeremy, what brings you here today? I mean, Troy and I, we have to be here. Right. But you don't. <laughs> I'm here. You, you dragged me in. No, I'm here. We did. I am here, though. I'm glad to be here. Um, and here today, because Troy and I have been having an ongoing discussion about um, the use of argumentative essays in my COM 101 class. And uh, this past fall, uh, as I do every semester, we look at, uh, we usually start our argumentative discussion by looking at some films or some visual examples of argument and then kind of dissect those in preparation for the students actually writing their own arguments. So we look at different aspects of the film that worked well, didn't work well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this semester we focused on. Um, uh, 9-11, September 11th, and uh, two films, um, the first being some one called Loose Change, which is sort of the predominant uh, conspiracy film um, that argues that the U.S. government actually did 9-11 or was behind 9-11. Uh, and we watched that, and then we also watched uh, a film called uh, 9-11 Fact versus Fiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, the 9-11 Fact versus Fiction is based on a book that we will discuss today called uh, Debunking 9-11 Myths, and this is from the editors of uh, Popular Mechanics. And it was very fascinating to go through this process with the students because after watching Loose Change, I used uh, uh, different polling tools in the classroom and polled them, and Roughly 90% of the students in the two sections that were shown the film uh, bought into loose change and believed that the government was behind uh, 9/11, which was pretty shocking to me. Um, you know, all things considered, given what, what I saw in the film and from my own personal perspective. Uh, so we followed up with uh, the the other 9/11 film that kind of countered the arguments made in loose change, mm-hmm. and. Even more shocking was um, in one section I had about 50-50, but in the other section I had about 95% still believing that the government uh, was behind 9-11, even though there were very uh, logical arguments made by experts saying that what was stated in, in loose change was false and mm-hmm. you know not factual and a lot of presumptions made on very little amounts of evidence. Uh, so it was very interesting to see the students go through that thought process. And and shocking for us. I yeah, mean, that's why we, <laughs> part of what led to this podcast is that we expected one thing to happen, and that you'd yeah. show one documentary. It was really and show the other, mm-hmm. and it would be like, oh, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. And and the students really 
didn't let go of the first one. No, and, and they, they, you know, it was kind of interesting in thinking about, okay, you know, had I shown the other film first, you know, kind of the order of the information mm-hmm. they received. But, you know, a lot of, I had students say things to me like, you know, I liked the presentation of the first film better, and that's what made me buy into it. I mean, you know, truly some kind of horrifying things to think about. But so uh, kind of things like it was more entertaining in a way. Yeah, I mean, and, and, mm-hmm. and if you if you have watched Loose Change or if you go out and watch Loose Change, um, it's available, you know, free on, on the internet. Uh, you know, it, it, there's music. You know, it's kind of funky music. The presentation is a little bit more. Yeah, you know, it's made by by high school, uh, co- early at college age kids, um, really, and. You know, young it's adults, a little like young adults. I'm I'd sorry. Like yes. yes. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it is, and it's a little more hip, I would say. You know, sure. versus what I showed them to counter it was History Channel, Lester Holt. You know, <laughs> very, it. you know, very uh, straightforward. But you know, I think that was interesting, and and also, you know, just their. They, they, their willingness to completely ignore facts and really their willingness to um, buy into this idea of government conspiracy. I mean, I mean, they went as far as saying that all the experts in the uh, in the second film that were, were used by Popular Mechanics were paid off by the government. I mean, wow. it was it was really it was really pretty deep, and I was I was really taken aback by the whole thing. And you're a mouthpiece for that. Exactly. Yeah, and they also mentioned I may have been a mouthpiece for the government, which <laughs> that's entirely true, of course. So, see, and I'm the control group here because I have have not seen either of these. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a conspiracy theory mm-hmm. on 9/11. Several. I don't know where I've been living. You know, truthfully, I mean, I just, you know, I remember when it happened, and I, you know, and watched a lot of Larry King shows about mm-hmm. it and stuff like that. But no, yeah. I had no idea. Well, if we, if we look back, to, you know, through history and, and all major events, I mean, there's Pearl Harbor conspiracies. Certainly, right. There, you know, of course, Kennedy. Uh, yeah, further back than that, even. Yeah. Yeah, and, and of course the Kennedy conspiracies, which most people are are right, aware right. of. There's a group of people older than myself, I'd like mm-hmm. to add, um, who just have not let go of that right. at all. That you know they. They still don't agree what happened and how it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and so these major events, people who tend to be into those conspiracies, they really, you know, kind of seize the moment in a way. Well, and I so and I think that um, the thing that's interesting for me as someone who spends a lot of time teaching research mm-hmm. is that we have a lot of information. I mean, we have more information for each of us individually at the palm of our hands on our phones than most human beings throughout history have ever had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so we don't we're not in a position where we can test that information. Like I always say to classes, like I you know I know that I've been told that the power that is running these computers and the lights that are, that we have now comes from a power plant in Joliet, and I'm pretty sure that's accurate. Mm-hmm. But I've never followed the lines. I've never done independent testing. Like I don't care. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. And there's so much information that we get each day mm-hmm. that we just it's impossible for us to personally test. And these things, like, I, I mean, the, the 9-11, I think, is really fascinating, and all of us lived our own experiences through it, and, and I, I don't think our purpose is to um, diminish the memory of, of that, you know, really horrible Absolutely. event. Yeah. But because because of its significance, um, I also find the conspiracy theories even more shocking, you know, right. and, and, and tough. It, it, just, it, just unbelievable to me. Um, but it, it, puts a, it, it puts up front this kind of information literacy, to use the... Mm-hmm. kind of research term, right, mm-hmm. um, dilemma that we have to listen to evidence that we don't get to directly 
test right. and make some decisions on that evidence. Right, and, and we've talked a lot about this idea of the preponderance of evidence, you know, based on everything we have which is a ton of information, more information than we've ever, like you mentioned, more information than we've seen ever before. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, with, with Kennedy, the, the Zabruder film wasn't released until 10 years after. Right. You know, sure. I mean, they hadn't even seen that then. Right. These conspiracy theories were being developed, and then they saw that film, and then that led to more, you know, but yeah. we, had inst- we had information instantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, Watching sadly, we watched yeah. it live, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but the the preponderance of evidence, this idea... Um, is that, you know, okay, what evidence do we have? And, you know, does the majority of the evidence point one way or does it point the other? Right. And, you know, uh, one of the points brought up in the book is this, you know, argument by anomaly, meaning, you know, there's, there are some things that are kind of strange about what happened, um, mm-hmm. for instance, at the World Trade Center, um, Building 7. Um, it wasn't struck by a plane, but it never fell until about 5.07 that day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of conspiracy theorists believe that there were, because there were FBI offices, CIA offices inside that building, someone decided, hey, let's, let's take it out because there's information in there we want to take out, when right. the reality of it was also inside that building there were fuel tanks and gas tanks that mm-hmm. were used, and those were just kind of um, smoldering throughout the day, caught fire, weakened the structure, and it happened at 5.07, you know, mm-hmm. so th- th- there's just a lot, and, and the conspiracy theorists tend to pick out these anomalies and put them front and center, when really everything else is just so much stronger. So, so there's really two books that we're kind of relating to each other today that, that are part of Jeremy and I um, discussion over this. And the first one is the is Debunking 9-11 Myths by David Dunbar and Brad Reagan. Um, and that's published by Popular Mechanics. Both of these obviously are in our library. And then the second book is called True Enough um, by uh, Farhad Manju. And Manju's a journalist who's written for The New Yorker. And... Um, he does this whole book. The subtitle is um, "It's True Enough: Learning to Live in a Post-Fact Society," and he really gets at some of these concepts of why do we believe what we believe, and how do we weigh evidence. And there's some some things that really come out with these conspiracy theories. He does mention um, in some detail the 9/11 myths, but he he mentions a few other um, myths that he talks about that uh, impact that, that demonstrate a few points. And one, you know, Jeremy had mentioned is the you know preponderance of the evidence. So. Um, don't just select pieces of the evidence, but what does the big picture mm-hmm. say? And, mm-hmm. you know, with 9-11, is it really reasonable to think that Republicans, Democrats, New York City officials, airlines, like all these people who normally can't always get along, <laughs> rarely get along, and in fact benefit by not getting along, but in this one instance, they decided to agree with each other and do this really horrible thing. I mean, mm-hmm. that in and of itself just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Absolutely. Um, Considering also it was 2001, just after a really contentious election. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, But one of the other, um, there's two other ideas that I think are really important for us. Um, One of them is selective perception. And and that's the tendency that people have to only listen to ideas that that they already agree with. So you ignore things you don't agree with. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then you jump into the things that you do agree with, and that's your evidence. Mm -hmm. And what's wrong with that? You know, right. Well, and I think to some degree that's just human nature. Right? It, is. it is. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the other side is then selective exposure, which I think is enhanced by the web. Um, to some degree, mm-hmm. that, you know, with more media outlets, mm-hmm. you have to make some decisions on where you get your information. Mm-hmm. And by having so- and selective exposure, says you only expose yourself to 
people and concepts that you already agree with or tend to agree with. Mm -hmm. So the the MSNBC, uh, Fox from the left-right split, all all across the web. If you're only going to one or two sources to get your information, mm. um, you know it's different than the old days of just three news networks in like one or two major newspapers in each city. Now mm -hmm. we have this mm -hmm. this range of, of sources, mm -hmm. which I think is interesting for us as as teachers to craft assignments um, that help students see some of these problems and get around them. Right, and, that, and that's something that, that Manju, two points I want to mention that, that were brought up by Manju and, and, and true enough, you know, number one, going back to uh, the selective perception, you know, he really started, he, his his thoughts really got me going on this 9-11 idea, thinking it might be something interesting to bring into class, and what he mentioned was, uh, you know, he talked to, uh, I, I forget the, his exact name, but he was a conspiracy theorist from California who claims that there was a missile attached to um, uh, the uh, United Flight 170, I'm sorry, American 175, which crashed into the second plane to hit the World Trade Center, and they were watching video of it, and he showed it, slowed it down frame by frame, and Manji was in the room with them, and he said, don't you see that missile? Don't you see it right there? And Manji said, no, I don't see it. I can't see it. And then the slower, you know, he watched it tons of times, and he said, no, I don't see it. And he's like, how do you not see it? You know, it's this idea of, like, you know, I really want to see this because I... I've bought into this conspiracy theory. I want to see that missile. But if you show that to someone else, or maybe another person, or hundred people, they may not see it. Mm -hmm. So, it's, you know, that, that's as far as selective perception goes. That, that's really interesting, I think. And and uh, you know, these concepts, this idea that that Manju brings up, um, you know, about choosing what side we listen to you know and, and you know we look we talked about all the information we have at our disposal you know in the 1960s 70s you know we had our nightly news and mm -hmm. what walter cronkite said was right. what was true and we believed it you know and and i think manju does a great uh it makes a great com uh comparison in his book about th this being a large dinner table and we all sat down to dinner mm -hmm. and in the 60s we looked over at Walter Cronkite and said what happened today and he told us but now we have this almost dinner party where these there's you know uh, we're sprouting conversations around the table we're talking about conversations you know in the corner of the room people are shouting things you know it's all these different different ideas so your big project, the two of you, is mm. really next semester convincing these students that you're right. <laughs> I do try to do that every day. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, try to clarify. Yeah. That. I mean, I think it was a big learning experience for us because yeah. um, oh, yeah. we, we didn't expect it to go how it did, and so um, we're working on you know rethinking some of this and, yeah. and how we go about it. I, I think there's great potential here for a really yeah. valuable assignment mm -hmm. um, but we're still putting the pieces together that's, yeah. that's sure. for sure uh, so. and, and I think this could turn in to some you know and maybe in a, in a COM 102 you know more of a semester long or significant por portion of the semester project where we're really thinking about what is true, what is good evidence, mm. how do we put our best evidence forward. Because mm -hmm. it's an important concept not only I think in the writing world but in just you know your, your daily thinking you know right. what? What is oh, what is most important, and right. that's something that I think all the students could benefit from. And how do you really open yourself up to let go of your ideas to like what is really exactly. happening here, not yeah. being predisposed? I think that's mm -hmm. a big thing. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So okay. Well, all right. You got me thinking critically. Yeah. That's good. That was the goal. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for coming in. Thank Jeremy. you. Um, Thank you for having me. And thanks to all of you for listening. Um, we hope you come and. 
Check out our library website, our public events, and of course all of the resources we have online and on our shelves. Um, I'm Troy. I'm Joe. Until next time, this has been Check It Out. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this Moraine Valley Library podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu library.